This is episode 17 of HD Reality, and today we are talking about what your gene status says about your worth. So whether you're HD positive or negative, what does that say about your personal value as a human being? Welcome to HD Reality with Courtney Cable. As a member of a Huntington's disease family and a certified life coach, I'm here to help you navigate the unique challenges of Huntington's disease. This podcast is dedicated to everyone affected by HD, including individuals with HD, their loved ones, and their care partners. Together, we'll explore practical mental and emotional tools to help you overcome the obstacles that arise with this diagnosis. Join me as we define our own HD reality. Keep listening and let the transformation begin. Okay, I am just going to jump straight into the meat here and say that you did not earn your genetic status, for better or for worse. Being positive or negative for Huntington's disease is not something that you deserve. Nothing you did or didn't do caused your genetic status. And I could really just end the podcast right there because that's the important part. But I want to talk about why we sometimes have a hard time believing that. And if you're having a hard time believing it right now, Hopefully talking through it will help you see things a different way. So on last week's episode, when we were talking about survivor's guilt, I mentioned asking yourself the question, why me? But you can ask yourself this question, whether you're positive or negative for Huntington's. And you can find some answers to that question that feel really empowering. Like maybe this gives you a sense of purpose. Maybe there's something in your life that you feel called to do that this genetic status enables you to do. So there can be empowering answers to the question, why me? But there are lots and lots of answers and stories that you can tell yourself about your gene status that are not going to serve you, that are not going to feel empowering. And the reason is that at their heart, they are disregarding your inherent value as a human. So when we talk about value and worth, we're talking about the worth we have as human beings. We are inherently valuable, unique, and lovable. And regardless of what you believe about where we came from before we were born, I know there are a lot of religious implications here, but even if you're not religious, you can look at a baby and see that that baby, that infant, has some value. That baby is worth something. And that worth that that baby has did not come from anything that the baby did or didn't do. Nothing about the way it cried or the way it stretched its little fingers gave it its worth. It just has it. And I know sometimes we can say, well, babies have value because they have potential. But if that's what's coming to mind, I want you to think about and really look at what kind of potential you're talking about. Because often when you say that the baby has value because it has potential, you're probably not thinking, well, it could go on and be a CEO or it could go on and do this other cool thing or maybe it'll be a pro baseball player. Usually you're looking at qualities and characteristics that you see as desirable that this baby has the potential to develop. And the thing about that is you always have the potential to develop those qualities. So saying the baby has value because it has potential, but now that I'm an adult, I've squandered all that potential, it just doesn't really fit because the potential you're seeing in that baby is for these qualities that are still fully attainable to you as an adult. 
And while we're talking about development and developing these characteristics, I also want to mention that self-improvement is not a way that we increase our worth. Our worth is immense and unchanging. We can't do things that increase our value. We can't do things that decrease our value because, again, it's just that value we have inherent in the fact that we are a human being on this earth. Unfortunately, that's not the way a lot of us think about it. It's actually very normal to, by default, imagine our fellow humans on a vertical hierarchy where we're classifying some people as more valuable than others and This makes us constantly try to figure out where we are on that lineup. So if you picture value on a number scale, we're trying to place some people in these higher value numbers and some people are on the lower end of the scale. Our actual value is infinity. We can't really place that on the number scale. And that's the value for everyone on this earth. We all share that value of infinity. So whatever that number is that represents our true value is way beyond whatever number scale we're putting each other on in this life and trying to pretend that we know what makes a person valuable or less valuable. But that's just kind of the way we've been hardwired to think is that some people are more valuable than others. It's our job to figure out what makes a person more valuable and then try to do what we can to make ourselves more valuable. And it leads to us making all kinds of false assumptions about what factors influence our place on that number line. And we're constantly comparing ourselves to others based on these factors that we've decided affect our value. Because we want to know where we stand. We want to know what our value is compared to other people. And when we're talking about HD and gene status and how that impacts our worth, there are three of these factors that we falsely assume affect our value that are particularly relevant. And the first one is this idea of suffering and strength affecting our value. We've heard this idea and this phrase that suffering builds character, but there's really no hierarchy. Suffering doesn't put us on a pedestal. I know across so many cultures we respect and honor saints and martyrs and heroes, and that's all fine, But we get in trouble when we start using other people's suffering to try to gauge who has more character and value. Because that all requires that we try to compare each other's suffering. And that they just, it's like apples and oranges. You can't compare two people's suffering. So that's the suffering part of the suffering and strength. We tend to lift people up when we perceive them as suffering more intensely than we are. And then the strength part of it is... Say I'm going through something in my life and I feel like it almost broke me, but here's this other person I see in my life and they're doing something that looks so much more difficult to me and they seem fine. So therefore, that other person must be stronger than me and therefore better than me because they seem to be able to be handling this experience that I'm seeing as more intense and more of a struggle. And again... This idea assumes that a side-by-side comparison of people's experiences is possible, and I just don't think that's true. Because the only person that can know my experience is me, and the only person that can know 100% your experience is you. So you're comparing something that you have 100% knowledge of, which is your experience, to something that you have maybe 
25, if we're being generous, 25% knowledge about this other person's experience because it's only what you're able to observe, maybe some things that they've told you, but there's no way that you can fully understand that other person's experience, which means we have no business trying to compare whose is more intense or who's stronger or anything like that. Because sometimes we start wearing our traumas and our struggles like a badge of honor. Like, I made it through this. This is my sign of strength. And there's so much personal empowerment that can come from that. But when it starts to creep out into our relationships with other people and how we're trying to stack each other up on this hierarchy, that's where we kind of want to draw the line because we don't want to try, we don't want to start trying to like outsad each other. I felt like I kind of saw this at the HDSA convention when we were doing the support groups is someone would share their experience and maybe they would share their CAG number and then someone else would share and maybe their CAG number was higher and there's this feeling of in the room of this increased respect and honor towards this person with the higher CAG count and there are so many reasons for that and I don't think all of them are wrong. But it points out a really tough aspect of where this suffering and strength hierarchy comes into play in the HD community because HD has those numerical values that are so quick and easy to compare. Like, what's your CAG count? Well, mine's 42, mine's 56. You know, it's so quick and easy to rank ourselves on that that if we start tying those numerical values to our personal value and worth, It can only cause hurt and pain. So if you're experiencing something that's very difficult for you and then someone else who has a higher CAG count shares an experience that's hard for them, that doesn't make your experience any less valid. That doesn't make you as a person any less valuable just because you have a lower CAG count. We have to start practicing separating those because it can be so detrimental to your mental and emotional health. A second attribute that it's easy to falsely assume affects our value is perceived lovability and external validation that we see other people getting. So if other, it's this idea of if other people like them, then they must be worthy, they must be more valuable. And then it can reflect back on yourself in words like, if I were valuable and worthy, then other people would be able to see it and I would be able to tell based on other people's reactions to me how valuable I am. And that's so dangerous to do because then we're putting it in our perception of other people's actions to decide how valuable we are. And this can be harmful if you're HD positive or negative. If you're HD positive and you've adopted this as part of your identity and you've worked towards advocacy, then you might start looking at things like social media metrics, friends, followers, likes, to see if you're, quote, having an impact and therefore if you're more valuable, right? And in the opposite direction, sometimes when people test positive for HD, they get left behind by family and friends who don't feel like they can understand them any or relate to them anymore. And we just can't let them leaving us behind in that way mean something about our worth. Not that these relationships aren't value or that we shouldn't work for them. It just means that these relationships don't reflect your personal value. Because it can get us into so many messes. Like if we're worried about people leaving us and we test positive, then we're watching everyone super carefully to see if they leave because that's how we're going to know if we're worthy or not. The third characteristic that we think can impact our value and worth is 
the concept of success or luck. So it's a belief that good things only happen to good people. So if I'm positive for HD and you're negative for HD and I'm seeing that as a good thing for you, then I might think that your value is more than mine because you must be a good person based on the fact that this good thing happened to you. And vice versa, I might think that I'm a bad person and less valuable because something that I think is bad happened to me. And remember that you really have to get into these definitions and see what you're labeling as a good or bad thing and a good or bad person. So something pleasant happening to someone else doesn't mean that they're more valuable. And something negative happening to someone else doesn't mean they're less valuable. We do this a lot when we look at money and material wealth. We have an assumption that they're more valuable because they've met our definition of success or that what we see is luck that has just come from the universe that must be rewarding them for some higher personal value or worth that they have above us. And it's just not the case. And I think this idea of luck runs really strong in the HD community because of that 50-50 chance that each child will inherit the gene. It literally feels like a coin flip, right? But again, we can't use that coin flip to mean something about your worth or someone else's worth. So those are the main three things that I see most applicable in the HD gene status space of finding where we line up on this value hierarchy. And, but there are lots and lots of others that impact how we as human, val- human beings in this society value each other, like religion, ethnicity, and race, age, gender, sexuality, personal preferences of music or food, language, accent, or eloquence, education, career, perceived altruism, and then all of the things with how we look on the outside, like beauty, height, weight, muscle mass, whatever it is. There are tons and tons of things that we use to assign value to people. And I think it's so interesting to think about this set of characteristics that we see as valuable and play around with what if, what if it was something else totally different? You know how some people's earlobes are attached directly to their head and then other people's is kind of detached? Like what if we used that? What if that was the sign of whether you were a good or bad person? Like what made us choose these things as a society to assign value? So it it can be kind of a fun exercise to just play around with why are we choosing these things to mean something about our value and worth and loosen up our attachment to these characteristics and criteria. Because here's the thing, no matter where we place ourselves on this hypothetical hierarchy, it does not serve us. If we put ourselves on the bottom, then we're ignoring our inherent value and we bring that negative self-image into everything we do in life. We end up living small and feeling miserable. And then if we put ourselves near the top where we're thinking we're better than other people, it totally changes how we treat each other and is going to impact all of the relationships you have. And in the end, even though you might think you're better or superior to others, you're not going to be feeling more pleasant or more happy. You're actually going to be feeling worse. So you can't win. You can't win that game. And you can't win that game because it's the wrong game. You can't win if you're playing the wrong game. Buying into this idea of this hierarchy is just playing the wrong game. Because again, we are all equally valuable 
and that value is more than we can imagine. I cannot put a price tag on a newborn baby. And just because that baby might grow up and do things or have things happen to it that I am falsely assuming are affecting its value, it's not. It's the same as it was when it was a brand new baby. And all of those assumptions that we have about our worth are thoughts. So when we go back to the CTFAR model with circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results, all of these assumptions of our worth would go in the thought line, not the fact line, not the circumstance, which means a lot of things. It means it's not inherently right or wrong. So even me sitting here saying you have inherent value, that's a thought. I'm giving you a thought. I'm offering you this thought. And when I say no matter where you place yourself on this hypothetical hierarchy, it's not going to serve you, that's also just a thought that I'm offering. So it's not that thoughts are bad or less important than facts. It's just that Thoughts are going to create the entire rest of our model. It's going to create the way we feel and the way we feel is going to drive the things we do and the things that we do in our life are going to overall create a result and an experience that we have. So all of these assumptions of value being thoughts means you can change them to whatever you want them to be. And what I'm offering on this podcast is the thought that you have inherent value that has nothing to do with your gene status. So if you want to work on some of these assumptions, the first thing we need to do is find out what your assumptions are. And you have to be really open and curious during this process. And then you're going to look for the way those assumptions are impacting the way you show up and decide if you like the results. Because again, thoughts, you can keep them or you can let go of them based on whether or not you like the results. So it doesn't mean you're going to throw everything you've ever thought out the window. Some of your thoughts might be really helpful and you might like the way you're showing up holding on to those and that's totally fine. And then the third step would just be to work on adopting a new belief and to replace something that you might want to change. So if you're wanting to leave behind the idea that some people are more valuable than others based on certain things, you don't necessarily want to flip it around to its opposite. So if my current thought is that you're better than me because you don't have Huntington's, we're not going to replace it with you're worse than me because you don't have Huntington's. It means stepping away from the better or worse than comparison at all. We're leaving behind this hierarchy completely. So when you're trying to find out what your assumptions are, Again, you want to be really open and curious. So you want to see how your automatic or lower brain is answering the questions like, why am I HD positive or negative? Am I better or worse than someone with a different gene status? If so, why? And when you hear the answers to those questions, you have to make sure you're refraining from judgment and just sitting in that curiosity saying, huh, isn't that interesting? And then we can play around with it. You can imagine a person in your life and say, well, if everything about this person was the same, but their gene status changed, would I feel differently about them? Again, whatever the answer is, huh, that's interesting. And remember during this process that you have a higher and lower brain. So your higher logical brain might know the right or correct answer. Like, you might feel morally that if everything about this person was the same but their gene status changed, I shouldn't feel differently about them. So your higher brain might say, well, no, I wouldn't feel any differently about them. 
But that answer that you are telling yourself just because you think it's right isn't actually going to help us change you. Is It's not going to help you get out of this value trap. So when you're doing this exercise, your higher brain is going to be very active. But what we're looking for is what your lower brain is thinking because that's what's running on default when your higher brain isn't active the way it is when you're asking yourself these questions directly. And I've touched on this idea of automatic thoughts, but I want to touch on it again. I listened to a really good class from Dr. Shannon Irvine, and she's talking about what happens once a belief becomes automated. And this is a direct quote from her. You don't choose it anymore. Once it automates, it fires without your permission. And we know from neuroscience that it's running 80 to 90% of your decisions. That's the end of the quote. But isn't that crazy? So if your lower brain is spewing out automated thoughts 80 to 90% of the time, those are the thoughts we want to find out about. So this exercise isn't about finding out what your logical brain thinks the answer to these questions are. We want to find out what are the thoughts and what are the beliefs that are automated for you. And we want to keep that from becoming a point of shame because there's really no need to be ashamed of something that is happening without your permission. Notice that I didn't say that it's out of your control because we can learn to, as Dr. Irvine says, quote, hack into the system and use the system to change our automatic thoughts and beliefs, which is what we've been doing throughout this podcast when we talk about changing the thoughts of loosening up the idea and starting to find evidence for the contrary and really creating a new belief for you. But just because it's in your control doesn't mean you need to be ashamed of what's happening when you're not putting any action in. You're not pressing the button on these thoughts. You're not sending them out. So we don't need to get defensive about what we find in our automatic brain because often it's stuff that's been running on autopilot from a very young age, being given to us from parents and society. And it's just, like I said, on autopilot. It's on default. It's probably been on default for years. So we're not mad at that. We're just going to be curious about it, identify it, decide if we want to hold on to it, and then use that process of starting to switch our beliefs and automate a new system. One that doesn't believe that people's gene status is attached to their worth and their value. Because again, you did not earn your genetic status. Whether you're positive or negative, You did not earn that. And nothing you did or didn't do made you deserve whatever gene status you have. You are incredibly valuable. And so is everyone around you. So there's no need to try to figure out who's more valuable than the next person. That will only cause confusion and pain. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Did you know that I'm offering mini coaching sessions completely free? Go to helpforthecaregiver.com to schedule one now. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your communities, spreading the power of these tools to more people. Find me on Instagram or Facebook at Courtney Cable Coaching for ongoing interaction, valuable content, and additional resources. For personalized support, visit my website to view my affordable coaching programs or to schedule a free mini coaching session or consultation call. Thank you for joining HD Reality and I can't wait for our next conversation.